0: Hi everyone! Thanks for checking out the Thrive podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 7:30 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. And Lord, would that be our prayer? God, would we sing your praises? God, with our words and with our deeds, I pray that our lives would be glorifying and praising to you. God, would you be with us now as we open your word? I ask that you would speak to us abundantly clear. I pray that you would help myself. I pray that you would help all of us set aside any weighing distractions or things that maybe we have went through today, maybe frustrations or maybe Um, Areas that we're angry about or things we are or people we are. God, I just pray that you would help um, all of us just to lay that aside right now. God, would we have a clear mind and a clear heart to hear from you, however you choose to speak to us tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can take a seat. Um, As I start tonight, I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Jonathan, if you want to hit these lights for me, uh, just so I can see, that would be awesome. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. I'm just going to read this before we jump in tonight. It says this For consider your calling, brothers. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord." Um, Tonight we are kicking off this series that I've been kind of referencing for the past couple of weeks called You Are Gifted going from a consumer or consuming to a producer, a, a producer that there, are, there is this idea um, in the Christian life that I'm going to talk about tonight that some of you have maybe heard. I'm going to try my best to stay away from what we just call Christian lingo. And if you're new uh, to some of this teaching, I hopefully don't maybe go above your head or maybe say some things you're like, I have no idea what he is talking about at all. And tonight we are starting it's going to be about seven weeks where we are going to talk about this idea that you are gifted, that God, God has given you that has given you something or uh, about your life or in your life, He's made you different and better for a purpose. He's done some things in your life. He has allowed you to think differently, to act differently in a unique way, and it is for a purpose. And tonight is going to kick that off. I'm going to try and do just an introduction tonight, and then we're going to walk through uh, uh, three chapters in 1 Corinthians. We're going to talk about uh, chapter 12, 13, and 14, and Romans 12. We're going to kind of be all over the map. But what I would ask, what I would ask as we kind of set out this series in the next six, seven weeks, that you would say, you would say, as you're sitting there right now, you would say, man... I don't know, if you're in this spot, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I would like to find out. Or I would like to know what I have to do in order to find out. Because right before I had trusted Christ, Right before I had gotten saved, I was 17 years old. Uh, I wasn't really passionate about following after Christ. God had truly changed my life. And once I started to follow Jesus, I mean, probably two months after I got saved, there were a few things about me that I could tell they were different from other Christians. I was passionate about different things than other people. And then I used to just think like something was wrong with them. I was like, why don't they like the things I like? or why, you know? And I used to think, man, once they catch up, I used to feel like maybe people were lagging behind. And then the more I started to follow Jesus, I thought, man, maybe this is something unique about me that God has given to me. And then there was a season of my life that I started to resent or not really enjoy the gift that God had given me or the gifts he had given me. I started to feel ashamed. I'd gotten around a few people that started to talk down about a specific way of thinking. And I thought, man, God, would you you change the gift that you've given me? Would you help me to maybe mold in in this way? And God had to graciously remind me and me and, and help me see that he's gifted me in a specific way for a reason. And he's done so for you. And it's crazy to think about. In your life, think about this as we start off here. In your life, where do you consume things? Where do you consume? It, you, you consume on a, on a daily basis, whether it is uh, in, in relationships, you're consuming. If it's on your phone, you're consuming content. You're consuming uh, music that you're listening to. You're consuming information, maybe from a professor. You're consuming uh, when you come here, uh, right? That's the idea, that you consume some information. Uh, you consume maybe money from your parents or resources. You could start to consume some things. And, and the weird thing about it, it is, start to think in your mind, where do you not consume, but you produce? Where do you produce? Maybe for some of you, it's your job. You produce something. You're like, I don't produce anything crazy. It's a chicken sandwich, a Chick-fil-A, but I produced it. Right, that's the idea, you made something happen, you, you, it, it, it came out from you. you, with your hands, with your mind, you produced something, or when you seriously think about it, you make a post on social media, you produced that idea or that content or that framework, or you're producing something, and for us, for you and for me, we are constantly consuming and we don't really think about producing that much. It's not second nature for us to produce. We would rather consume, right? I would rather watch a movie. I would rather watch a, a super long binge Netflix series. I'd rather watch something than try and stick and make that, right? That's a, imagine me making a Netflix series? That would be a rip. You, you think about it. You have to produce something. I would rather, I would rather watch someone else you know, skydive than actually do it. Actually, no, I, I skydived once. It was sweet. I would like to do that, but I would I, I watch a video of someone and I would like, oh, let me see that video. That was funny. That was crazy. But I don't necessarily want to be involved in it. And in the Christian life, this is where I believe we get way out of balance and out of whack. And I need to be, I, I'm going to try and ride a fine line here, but I'm just going to have to call it what it is in a lot of ways um and this series has probably been two years in the making for me just thinking through because there are some things that I wasn't ready to talk about and I still don't think I'm ready to talk about it but we're gonna send it and I'm excited but anyway yeah cool I'm excited some of you have no idea what I'm talking about but anyway uh we're gonna talk about it but here's what's hard for me a lot of people this is maybe your story or will be your story you remember a time when you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior You realized you were a sinner and you needed to accept Jesus. Just like the video of Audrey we saw, just like last week of Cameron we saw, just like a a man I shared with on Monday night who accepted Christ as Savior. Then what happens? We say, what do I need to do? What's next? You need to get baptized. You need to publicly show that you're a follower of Jesus. We show the video, we we dunk them, and then we say, what do we do next? we got to get you in a small group, Right? We need we need you to come Wednesday night? Maybe come you come Sunday morning and then you get in a small group and then what do you say? I got to find some Christian friends. And then what do you say? I don't know. Now what? Oh, maybe, we, we, you know, and then you start to think, okay, now it's, and that's it. And the crazy thing is, there are people who have followed Jesus. Maybe you followed Jesus for, for one year, maybe for three years. Maybe you got saved when you were uh, at Olympians in third grade on a Sunday night. And you are now saying, what's next for me? What's next for me? What does God want for me? Does he want me to just consume? Does he want me to just come in and, man, if the message was good, I like that speaker. I hate that speaker. I like that song. I hate that song. And just critique. He wants us to consume and critique. And the crazy thing is, and this is why I think this is so important for specifically our age and your age, is because there are people who are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. They got saved, they got baptized, and now they consume. That's it. Just constantly taking in. Now, consuming is not a terrible, sinful thing. It's actually required, right? That we would consume uh, God's word every single day. That we would consume what God has to say to me. That, that I would take it in. And what I want uh, you to think through, and even as I jump into this tonight, is ask this question What if? What if? What if you knew, you knew for certain what your one, two, or three spiritual gifts were? The way God has uniquely designed you to be and to work. What if you knew, knew that? You knew it in your head when someone said, what are your spiritual gifts? You would say, this, this, and this. And they would say, how does that actually look in your daily life? And you would say, man, let me, let me tell you how God has used me in these three or four areas. Or maybe one area. This is how God has used me. What if you knew that and you would produce while you would consume, while you would take in? What if that would take place? So uh, on the, the start of tonight, number one, why talk about spiritual gifts? Why talk about spiritual gifts? Um, as, as one man said, and when he said it, I felt like I, I had to steal it, he said, when people would tell him good job at using his spiritual gift, he would say this phrase. He would say, you know what? He said, my dad, my heavenly father gave me a gift and I just like to show it off any chance I get. I can't take any credit for it. I can't brag about it. I can't even, you know, do something with it. I, all, all I want to do is I just want to show it off. Just like a little kid at Christmas when they are given a gift, they want to show someone they want to call their friend. They want to tell them about it. They want to say, check this out. Look at what my dad gave me. Look at what he's enabled me to do. Um, go back to the slide I had of, of the swamp. Uh, you guys remember this. I used this a couple months ago when we started off in Colossians, but I need to, I need to use it again. When you and I constantly consume, we become a swamp. Um, some of you weren't here for this, that's why I wanted to use it. You become a swamp when, uh, just like a swamp, only takes water in, but what? It doesn't put water out. And if you've been in a swamp, or you've seen a swamp, or you've smelled a swamp, what is sweet, what, or what is cool about a swamp? Literally nothing. I don't even know what she said. Uh, literally, <laughs> literally, she was like, actually, if you go barefoot, it's kind of crazy in the snakes. right? Uh, it, it, literally Nothing. Right, you get stuck in it. I mean, it's you know, really, there's no good, there's no nothing real enjoyable about it. But on the flip side, a desert we talked about is if you're only producing a desert. If you're in the desert too long, you will die. There's no water. You will die. If you are constantly producing, if you're only giving, if you're never taking, eventually you will die. And what is the balance, right? We talked about the garden, right? A garden will take something in and it will produce something at the same time. It's the same time. So why talk about spiritual gifts? Because God has uniquely, uniquely empowered you to do some things better than others others. He has, and and I need to be clear tonight, we are not, we are not talking about talents. There's two different ideas here about spiritual gifts and talents. Talents would be like you can play basketball really well like you're just a beast on the court, or you can play football really well, or you can wrench on cars, or you can you know, fill, fill in the blank. You can do those types of things really well. But spiritual gifts, there's a uniqueness about it and a specific thing that God says, man, right when you get saved, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, in two weeks we'll get there, the moment you trust Christ as Savior, God literally puts it in your heart, puts it in your heart that you have the ability to do something that you were not able to do before Christ. You were not able to do it. It wasn't a passion of yours. You didn't care about it. You didn't think about it. And then once you get saved, God gives it to you. But just like, just like a child is learning to function, learning to walk, Learning to think and find out about themselves, so is the person who trusts Christ. It takes some time. And why, why talk about this? Because you have something special about you that some of you might not even know. You've never even really heard of this idea. You're kind of like, I, I've never even thought about this before. So what are the spiritual gifts kind of to, to jump into this? I want you to pull up all 18, I think they are, uh, that I have here. So what we are going to do in the next 7 weeks I think I think it's going to be 6 after tonight I'm going to cover all of these in some fashion That administration, that you're just naturally organized, you're just a beast. You you know, you think through things that other people aren't thinking about. You have lists upon lists upon lists in the Trello app, in your notes app, in your reminders. You're running other people's calendars. You're just a monster, an apostle. Can't wait to talk about that. Discernment. You can think through and you can see some things that other people don't naturally see in situations. You can look into a situation and say, hey, I, I, would, re, I would reconsider this. Um, evangelism. You see opportunities for people uh, to trust Christ as Savior when no one else is thinking about it. It's on your mind. Uh, you walk into a room where people aren't saved and you're like, this is going to be sweet. You think tonight's tonight, like someone's getting saved. You see a new person at church, you're like, I will meet with them and find them. That's, that's you. Uh, exhortation is Encouragement. You naturally, naturally will see someone who is hurting and say, I want to make their day better. I want to make their day better. It is not something that you have to work up in you. I'll talk about how you know it's a gift here in a second. Faith, not Faith Dawson, but the gift of faith. Faith is something where you believe. You just trust God. You just trust God. The idea that other people are like, I just don't know if God's going to come through. I don't know if he's going to do this. You get annoyed by that because you're like, didn't the Bible say trust him? You're just like, I just believe God can do anything. He split the sea. He can find you a spouse anyway. Giving uh, you uh, this this idea of giving is uh, I know three people who have the gift of giving. It is a irrational type of giving. They see opportunities to give and to help someone who is hurting, and you're not even thinking that way. You would have the gift of giving if um, you don't see numbers, you just see needs. You just see a need, and you need to meet that need. You're not like, "Ah, I got a bill to pay. You're kind of like, oh, there's a need. I'm just going to give it, and God's going to provide. That is the gift of giving. Healing, again, can't wait to talk about that. Helps uh, serving. Hospitality, you you bring strangers in. You want new people, whether in your house or in your um, small groups or in church, you want new people to come in and be like, they love me. You want them to feel welcomed. You're like, what do we gotta do? How do we connect with them? And how do we make sure their first visit, they think they are at their house. They feel comfortable. Knowledge uh, is connected to not just they remember stuff, but specifically the Bible. Uh, People with the gift of knowledge, they can quote passages of scripture after reading it one time. I have a friend like that. Uh, Leadership, you see where people are and where they need to go. Mercy, uh, what a gift. Uh, Great gift, but sometimes frustrating. Mercy is where you naturally will see someone who shouldn't, they shouldn't receive any mercy, but you want them to get it anyway. You want them to just, you want to extend grace and mercy because they've went through a tough time. Prophecy, again, I will hold off on that one. Uh, serving, uh, you, again, you see opportunities. Speaking in tongues, uh, I'll cover that week three. Uh, pastor, teacher, you already know what that is. And wisdom, you can uh, understand situations kind of connected to discernment. Now, why would I give you this exhaustive list of 18 of them? Because in some portions of the Bible, all of these are mentioned. What are the spiritual gifts? This is what they are. These are the 18. And if you have accepted Christ as Savior at one time in your life, it says in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, Every single person has received a spiritual gift. I already know what over half of you are thinking. Not me. I've thought about it before. I've taken the tests. I went on the mission trips. I've tried. I got nothing. God gave it to other people, and he just didn't give it to me. I already know you're thinking that. I've had multiple conversations where people say, I just don't have any. I got nothing. God didn't give me one. You thought about it, you took the questionnaire, you did it, and you were like, I, I don't know what it is, and you just kind of gave up. You kind of gave up. I do believe uh, it is very spiritual that the enemy would love, you, love nothing more in your life for you to believe God didn't give me any spiritual gifts, so I might as well not use it. I might as well not even try. I might as well not even try. I'm not a bold person, I'm not upfront. Um, I I don't like really serving. It's kind of annoying to me. I, I don't really find any fulfillment in this or this. You tried it one time and you just said, man, I guess it's not for me. I guess it's not for me. God has given you a spiritual gift. He has given you a spiritual gift. If you are in Christ, you have something about you that is unique, that is unique and it is specific and God wants you to use that. Before I trusted Christ as Savior, I literally would throw up at the idea of being in front of people and talking. Literally would throw up. I mean, you couldn't have put a gun to my head. I would have taken it. I'd just been like, nope, can't. Mike, you have to do the presentation. There's five people. We're at Lake Center. I can't, right? I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I get saved, and I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that out of nowhere, out of nowhere. I didn't give a rip about teaching anybody about anything. You would ask me how to mow the lawn. I'm like, lines, go, push on the gas. I get saved and I'm like, I want to, I want to talk about this more. I want to talk about this more. I get, I trust Christ as Savior randomly, randomly. I'm just like, why is everybody not a Christian? Like everybody I know. And everyone's like, well, the one, the one. I'm like, I don't care about that. Why are they not Christians? So I'm like, did you tell them? They're like, they'll, find, they'll come to church. I'm like, no, go tell them, right? So I started to feel like, man, maybe I'm really weird. Maybe I'm just really weird. I need to chill out. And then I, after studying spiritual gifts more, it was like, no, God's like, no, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. That's exactly how I've wired you. That's exactly how I've made you. And you have to actually put effort into it. Whose and this is what I've been thinking about more. Whose responsibility is it for you to find your spiritual gift? Don't answer out loud. Whose responsibility is it? Is it mom and dad? Is it the pastor's job? Is it the, the small group leader? Whose who's job is it? I think uh, I'm going to answer that in a, in a second, but you have to think about, man, as, a, as an adult, as someone who hopefully is pursuing after Christ, what is special about me? What is special about me and where would I find fulfillment in this? Because the Christian life has to be more than just showing up and hearing someone talk for 45 minutes and if I liked it or not, critique it and go home. And if I like that guy, I'll come back It's got to be more than just talking about random stuff with your Christian friends, and at least they're not doing bad stuff, so at least I'm around them. And we talked about good stuff, but we didn't talk about God. It's got to be more than just that. It's got to be producing something. And number three, who is a spiritual gift for who is a gift for? Um, tonight, we'll talk a little bit in the book of Acts, but in the book of Acts is when spiritual gifts are truly established. And 39 out of the 40 miracles or displays of the spiritual gift, 39 of them, all, all of those are done outside of a church setting. 39. One time is a miracle or a sign gift or something done in a church context. All the other times it was done outside for people to be brought in and to see how good God is. Check this out in Luke 24. This is before Acts. Jesus said this, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus tells these disciples who he was with for three years, three years, he says, before you do anything, before you do anything, I would think they're ready for, for, to do stuff. I mean, if you're with Jesus for three years, I think you're ready. I was at Bible college for two and I was falling asleep. I needed to do something. I want to do something. He says, wait, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Who is a spiritual gift for? It is for God, but it is also for you. It is for God. It is for as in some passages it would say for the building or for the equipping of the church that other people, other people would love God more. Would love God more because you use your gift, not that they would love you more. If I use my gift of evangelism or gift of teaching or or whatever, and people would just say, "Man, I just really love Mike. He's a great guy." God, uh, he I I failed. If if you use your gift of hospitality and people would just love your socks off, but they don't really love God, it's it's a it's a fail. If you use your gift of serving and people would remember you instead of Christ. It's a fail. It is for God, but it is power that God gives you. What is this power thing that the Bible talks about? In Acts 1.8, it says this, but you will receive power. What in the heck is this power thing talking about? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Before Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. They did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. Once Jesus died and rose again from the dead, he said, I want you to wait. They waited 50 days, 50 days in the city of Jerusalem, just waiting, just waiting. And I don't even think they really knew what they were waiting for. They're just chilling, in uh, Luke 24 and Acts 1, they're trying to figure out another apostle. They're trying to cast lots. They're doing all this weird stuff. And, and Jesus says, you will receive power. And, and I've been thinking, even in my own life, do I actually need power for the life that I'm living? Does my life or does your life require any power from on high? Any power? Does it put you in a position where you would say, God, I cannot do this unless you do it through me. I can't. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the wit. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I can't do this unless you do it through me. And you would say, but what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Hopefully, hopefully through this series and this idea and this series and this topic you get the sense of I need to find out what that is. I need to find out what that is. Because there's been a time where you've watched someone and you thought, man, I wish I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I wish I could serve without without caring who gets the credit. I wish I could uh, share the gospel with someone. I wish I could uh, jump on board with this mission strip or this service team or this idea and truly do it for the right reasons and not just be worried about consuming. How do you find your spiritual gift? How do you find your spiritual gift? It says in 2 Timothy 1... It says, I remind you, Paul told Timothy, to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self control. He, he says, On the laying on of my hands. So we're not laying hands on anyone tonight. But what he said was, he was affirming. He was saying, I have seen, I have seen the gift of God in you. When this Timothy guy, this pastor, he was super insecure, just like every other pastor. He was super fearful, didn't feel confident. And Paul tells him, hey, fan into flame the gift that you have, and I was there to affirm it. You will find your spiritual gift when those closest to you will affirm it. They'll show you you what it is, or they they will remind you, hey, you are really good at this. In the words of my dad would say, you will know something is your spiritual gift when you, it, it comes natural to you, and you wonder why everyone else is not doing it. You'll just wonder, why does everybody do that? Why is the church not more passionate about that? Why don't we have these kind of things? Why isn't there a welcome team? Why don't they have a hospitality team? Why aren't they doing this? Or why why isn't this? And, And you would be able to see, man, that is just, it's just natural to you. You have eyes to see what other people aren't seeing on their own. Now, the weird thing about spiritual gifts, little rabbit trail, despite your gifting, despite your gifting, you and I are called to exercise, I believe, all of them which is a little tricky with a few, but I'll, I'll talk about that later on. Whether, I've, whether I have the gift of giving, do I, am, am I called to give? Yeah. Whether I have the gift of serving, am I called to serve? Yeah. I had a man tell me one time, he was like, hey, uh, if you want me to do this, I, I'd be more than willing to help, but if someone's like, I mean, if we're going on like some big service trip, I'm gonna call in sick. And I was like, "Well, uh, it, whether I'm called to it or not, I, I'm still called to do that." And here is how it says in Ephesians 1:13, it says that you were given the promised Holy Spirit, who is sealed within you, sealed within you, that God has given you a gift at salvation, and he doesn't change his mind about the gift, regardless of where you are currently today. He doesn't change his mind about your gift. Some of you maybe went through a season where you felt like God had, you you felt truly empowered in some specific way, and then you kind of just went through a season where you were just kind of lazy. Matthew 25 would talk about you just got a little afraid, and you buried the gift, and you're like, ah, I don't don't really feel like doing this anymore. And you're like, man, did God take my gift? I, I used to have, as one man told me, he said, Mike, I used to have that gift, I just don't have it anymore. And I think that is exactly what the enemy would like you to believe. You just don't have it anymore. You used to use it, but now it's really not it's not really a thing anymore. God, the gift he's given you at salvation, it is sealed within us. And it's in Ephesians 1:19 to 20. It says, "What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe?" What, what great might, you know, according to the working of his great might, what great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I have been obsessed with this verse over the past two weeks. His power, there it is again, toward us who believe the working of his great might that he raised Christ from the dead. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now is at work in those who believe, I have no idea what that means. I mean, I could tell you like biblically, this is what it means, this is how it's connected. Jesus was raised from the dead. You get to share the gospel with people and that's raising the dead, in a sense, spiritually. But to me, I'm like, what? the, the power that I believe is available for us, we just settle and we'll say, hey, hey, I'll, I'll consume. I'll consume. It's really not, it's, 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 it's hard to find, it's hard to see what it's like. I don't know how I'm supposed to find my gift. I believe finding your gift, you actually, you actually have to start doing some things. you got to start doing some things. you got to say, okay, I'm going to figure out what this is. I'm going to figure out what it is because if the Bible is true, if the Bible is true and it says, as each have received a gift, you and I have one. You and I have a gift. And we are called to consume so that, so that we produce so that we produce. You are called to consume, whether it is the Bible, whether it is a sermon or a message or a talk, that you consume so that in turn, you produce something. That you don't just become a swamp, so, You know, someone who's just cur- consuming to critique, but you rather to produce. In Acts chapter two, pull up the, the first one. I'm just gonna stay uh, here tonight Sid. But uh, before I read that, in Acts chapter 2, Peter and uh, the apostles, there's 12 of them, it says, as they're waiting in Jerusalem... They're given the Spirit. It says uh, they're given power from on high. They start to speak in tongues, uh, right? They start just sending it, and they start speaking in 14 different known languages. And then we'll, we'll talk about a known language with tongues and also a heavenly language and those two things in the Bible. But in this passage, they're talking about known languages. They speak in them. Peter, who was an absolute baby, is the only way to put it. This guy was, he was not very special in the Gospels. Just not at all. I mean, every time it would come to Jesus, he would be like, hey, once we get to heaven, can I, can I be your right-hand man? And Jesus would say, hey, you're kind of missing the point. Jesus, at one time, he told Jesus, hey, the whole Gospel idea, you dying on the cross, why don't we not do that? And we just kind of set up shop here, me and you and the squad. And Jesus is like, how about we not, right? And so then, then Peter, again, they, you know, in Matthew 17, there's this thing called, you know, Jesus, God comes down and there, there's these uh, two other people with God, Moses and Elijah. And Peter's like, hey, let's just build a temple and make it kind of like right here. This is the squad. And again, Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not what we're doing. And you remember the time, if you know the Bible, Jesus, or, or Peter says, hey, Jesus, I'll, deny, I'll, I'll go with you unto death. I'll never deny you. Literally, 24 hours later, what does this guy do? He denies Christ three times. It says, he, at the, at one of the most pivotal times in history when Jesus is at the cross, Peter is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. He, he left. He was gone. Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the dead. Peter still, he went back to doing his own thing. He is given the Holy Spirit, given the Holy Spirit. Once he has the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, this guy goes on an absolute tear. I mean, just crazy. In Acts chapter 2, he starts being this bold proclaimer for God out of nowhere, out of nowhere, because the Holy Spirit was inside of him. Was in him and using him. And so he shows up and he starts preaching this message to these people. And it was crazy. And in verse 37 it says, When they heard this, after he had shared the gospel, they were cut to the heart. Just pricked right in the heart. Not because of Peter's words, but because of God through Peter. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So just like we would say that you would repent, you would believe in Christ, you would be baptized. This is what he tells them. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his words were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people can you imagine baptizing 3,000 people? I would be losing my mind. I have no idea. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, you baptized! I feel like that would be insane. That would be insane. And every time I read this, I ask myself the question, why is that so unique just to this time? Why is it so, so unique? God, would you... Would, would you use anybody's gifting or any, the gift of God in us in the same way? In the same way? Would people be cut to the heart because of your words through us or through me? And I've asked myself this question. I hinted at it, hint, hinted at it early on. But does my life require God's gifting? Does my life require God's gifting? Is there anywhere in my life where where God would have to where where I would have to say God if if you don't speak through me or for me or by me this is just going to this is going to flop. This is going to be the worst thing in the world unless you do something. I have nothing special to say. I have nothing special to give. I have nothing special to offer. But I am in a situation, if you don't do something, if you don't do something, this is just going to be, it, it's, it's worthless. Let's just go home. Let's just go home. Does my life require any of that? Skip down to John 14, 12 uh, for me. It says, whoever believes in me Will also, will also do the works that I do. This is Jesus talking. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. I mean, just, I don't know, let that sink in for a second. Greater works than these will he do. How does Jesus say that greater works than he did will we do? I'm not dying on the cross for anybody. My... My payment, my sacrifice means nothing. In Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 where it's saying, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe in the working of his great might when he raised Christ from the dead? This is the same connection idea of God saying, hey, I want to use you and I want to do some crazy things through you and you don't just have to have an upfront speaking gift teaching. I want to use you. I want, to, I want to use you. Whatever, whatever it looks like for you, if you've accepted Christ, you are gifted. You have something special about you. And I will probably say this every week that I'm teaching, is we cannot be all that we should be unless you're all that God has called you to be. And, and you could shift this around if you want to make it a little more selfish. Say, I cannot be all that I should be unless I'm all that God has called me to be. And and here's what happens. And some of you will hear this, and it won't mean anything. I know that, and that's fine. Here's what will happen. You start to get busy, right? You start to add things on in your life. It starts to take a little bit of a backseat, Christianity and the things of God. I understand. I I understand how that happens. You start to, you get get married. You start, I've, I've seen it. Hundreds of times, you have kids, uh, you get a job, you get busy, and all of a sudden, you just, it's just whatever it is, whatever we can do, the bare, bare minimum you can do, because, because you're busy, I get it. And then you naturally have hundreds, if not thousands of people in a church where you have 5% of the people in the church doing everything, and you have 90 to 95% of the people in the church just consuming just consuming. And in any church, in any setting, I don't care if we are a group of 10 people, 100, 1,000, if the people within that group are not saying, how can I use my gift in the church, outside of the church to benefit, that body will never be all that it could be. It will always be missing a cylinder. Always. Always. It'll be missing its identity. It won't be all that it could be. But if 100 people were together in a group and they would say, hey, we're all going to pursue our gift, what could God do? What could he do? It says in Romans 8, 9 that if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not have Christ. But if anyone has the spirit of God, he has God. That if you do not have Christ, it's impossible for you to have a spiritual gift. You just have a talent. You just have a talent and you can't do it for God. You can't give it to God. It says that you first must have the spirit and power inside of you and God will work in you. And he works through that. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, I am thankful for you and that you give the gift or or give spiritual gifts to um, your children. God, it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And Lord, because you love your children so much, you you set it up to where your spirit works in us, to where you use us. You don't need us. You don't have to give us any spiritual gifts, but you do. And I believe everyone has at least one spiritual gift. God, would you help all of us to decide, I want to find out what my spiritual gift is, or what my spiritual gifts are, that I would not boast, not not so I boast in myself, but I would boast in God. And I'm reminded, as we started off the night in 1 Corinthians 1, that before Christ, many of us, we were not wise we're not smart, we're not knowledgeable, we're not strong, we're not of, says, noble birth, we, we don't have anything, really. And I love how it says, consider your calling. And how he's speaking to an entire church, he's reminding them, hey, you all have a calling. You all have something special about you. God, would you help us to be dedicated to finding out what that is in our life? I wonder what you would do in us. I wonder what you would do through us. And God, would you help us? Would you help us, Holy Spirit, to discern what that is? Would you stand as we sing a few more songs?